Good morning. Uh, good morning. My name is Garth Coop, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Steinbach EMC, and so it's great to see uh, many faces here uh, in our sanctuary, and we also want to welcome those of you that are joining us uh, online, and whether you are perhaps at the lake this weekend, you're on the beach, or in your cabin, or maybe you're traveling somewhere else, we are just uh, glad you could tune in uh, this morning. Uh, we're continuing our summer series through the book of Psalms. Uh, and it's considered to be one of the most uh, beloved uh, books of the Bible. Uh, for many years, for centuries, in fact, uh, the songs from Psalms uh, have comforted and they have calmed and they have cheered up and they have challenged uh, readers for centuries. Uh, in fact, I heard uh, a doctor who did not profess to be a Christ follower uh, even prescribed the book of Psalms to his patients. I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, today, I want to look at one of uh, my favorite psalms, and that is the Psalm chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, or if you have your uh, Bible app uh, on your phone, I would encourage you to turn there at this time. Uh, I, I've shared this many times in the past in various settings, uh, but uh, Psalm 1 was a, a chapter that I memorized way back when I was in grade 7. Uh, that was the year that I had an opportunity to play AAA hockey. And knowing that our team would travel a lot on the weekends, and I would miss a lot of church, uh, my dad said, well, you can play uh, if, amongst many other disciplines, that you will do some memorization. And uh, I was eager to play at a higher level or the highest level that I could play at, and so I quickly said yes to it, and so Psalm 1 was one of those chapters. Um, Psalm 1 is considered by many people uh, not just to be one of the 150 psalms, but it is considered to actually be the introduction to the whole book of psalms. Uh, in this chapter, as it you know, kind of just dives right into it, uh, but it is an encouragement, it gives us wise counsel, it encourages us to reflect upon and to respond to the message that God is communicating through the whole book of psalms. Uh, through this chapter and through the book of Psalms, it directs us to accept a relationship with God, uh, a relationship that leads to a favorable destiny. And so Psalm 1 goes like this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on this law he meditates day and night. Uh, not so the wicked. For they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Um, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Did I miss a part there? Yeah, I did. <laughs> but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, for they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Uh, David begins this psalm with the word blessed, uh, and, and that was a common way that uh, Old Testament teachers would instruct their students into right action. Old Testament teachers and their, and their students, their students would have understood that word blessed to mean happiness. Uh, or as uh, Charles Swindoll wrote, a practical interpretation would be, oh, the happiness many times over. Uh, I like that. Oh, the happiness many times over, 
that comes from walking this way. Uh, walking in what way? Well, as a general overview, from walking in the way of righteousness, from intentionally choosing to walk in God's way, and intentionally choosing to walk away from anything that would erode our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything that would erode our commitment to living a God-centered life. David would say, oh, the happiness many times over that comes from walking in righteousness. From walking a lifestyle with uncompromising purity. And then he begins by illustrating happiness using three negative terms. He says, oh, the happiness many times over for the one who does not walk in the counsel or in step with the wicked. To walk with, that would suggest that we would stay away from a casual movement along the way towards wickedness. The word for counsel comes from the Hebrew term meaning a definite, firm, planted direction. And so David would say this, Oh, the happiness many times over for the one who doesn't imitate or go through the casual motions of wickedness or imitate the plan of life of the ungodly. Many times over your happiness if you do not imitate that lifestyle. David would say, David would say don't go there. Don't imitate that. Don't imitate that lifestyle. And yet if we're honest with ourselves, if we're transparent with one another, perhaps we could admit that, yeah, there are times when I have flirted with the ungodly lifestyle. Because there is only one person who has ever lived an uncompromising life and to live this life perfectly. And that is neither you nor me. And so if we're honest, we would say, yes, there are times occasionally in my life perhaps where I have imitated the lifestyle of those who are living without Christ. We may even catch ourselves laughing at maybe a joke that we know we shouldn't be laughing at. Uh, maybe we've even made light of or we've joked about some activity that we know, yeah, that's probably not the direction that God wants me to be moving in. Or perhaps we've watched something on a social network or a social channel you know, on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook that we know is questionable. And David would say to us, even though he didn't have social media back then, he would say, don't go there. He would know from experience as well. And he would say, stay away from that temptation. You will be abundantly happier if you avoid the lifestyle that would kickstart spiritual erosion in your life. Hmm. Oh, the happiness many times over. For the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, and then he says, or for the one who does not stand in the way of sinners. You see, if to walk in the counsel of the wicked would, be, would suggest a casual movement or to take a quick look at what is evil, to stand is to take your place, is to be planted in the course of life that shows a progressive erosion towards more involvement in sinful behavior. It's not a quick flyby, but instead to stand in the way of sinners is to pause and stop. 
the term sinners here as well. It isn't talking about someone who has committed an isolated act of evil, but one whose life is dominated and shaped by sinful tendencies. And so David would counsel us and say, oh, the happiness many times over for the one who does not take their place, pausing to stop in a lifestyle that would show a progressive erosion towards more and more sinful living. And then he adds this, oh, the happiness many times over for the one who does not sit in the council or sit in the seat or sit in the company of mockers. That suggests a permanent settling down, a habit forming in our lives, a dwelling place in which we are camping out. We're sitting down and we're taking our spot here. And notice where David says this person is dwelling. This person is dwelling amongst the company of mockers. Uh, mockers is even more serious than committing a few sinful acts. But it's a life that would show a total disregard for, a total contempt for, a total disrespect, a total hatred for right living. A mocker would be those who would belittle anyone who would want to do right. They would belittle any, anything of God. And so you can begin to see the, the, the idea that the psalmist, that David had in mind here. He's showing that progression from walking in the counsel of the wicked to standing in the way of sinners to sitting in the seat of mockers. And David says, oh, the happiness many times over. If we do not imitate wickedness, if we don't flirt with sinful behavior in our life, and if we don't dwell in the place with those who show a total disrespect and hatred for right living and the things of God. Oh, the happiness many times over. If we were to notice those first signs of corrosion and erosion in our lives. The first signs of compromise in our lives. And we would run from that in our lives. Again, unfortunately... I think often we don't recognize those first signs of compromise in our lives. Maybe it's because we have blind spots in our lives. Uh, we all have blind spots in our lives. Uh, and so that is why we need other people in our lives who can speak lovingly and who can speak truthfully into our lives, who can spot some of these compromises in our life, and they can point them out to us in a firm but loving way. I think that's one of the benefits that we have from being involved in a life group. To have people to speak into our lives in this way. I've said it before too and I'll say it again because I think it's such a good statement. Be petrified of your propensity to sin. Okay? Be petrified, be fear fearful of your propensity, your bent towards sin. I too am petrified of my propensity to sin. And so I have and I need people who will speak into my life and warn me of my blind spots, who will speak truthfully and honestly and lovingly into my life. And then David takes it and he turns it. And he says, but, okay, but taking and turning from the negative examples to now going to the positive. 
He says this, blessing, okay? Blessed are those, okay, who don't do this, but instead their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, they meditate day and night. Here's what you avoid. Here's what you put into your life. That word, but, is a word of contrast. In contrast to the compromise, in contrast to the corrosion, the godly believer would concern themselves with God's word. Powerful. Why, why does David use the word law here? Because in order to change from the path of, of living that would corrode our lives, okay, in order to walk rightly, David says we need an absolute standard. And I know we don't like to use the word absolutes in our, wor- in, in our world and in our culture today. We need absolutes. We need a clear direction in our lives. And God's word provides that for us. God's word gives us that direction. And so we understand the law that David was talking about here to be God's written word. And so God tells us to walk this way. Walk this way. Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, we read these words. How can a young person keep their way pure? By living according to your word. Okay, that's living according to your word. That is obedience to your word. And then the psalmist goes on, I have hidden your word in my heart. That is, I, I've put your word in my heart. I've memorized your word and I've put it here for the purpose of this, that I might not sin against you. See, the psalmist claims that the godly person would delight on the word of God. The godly person doesn't look at the word of God as an inconvenience. The godly person doesn't look at God's word as, uh, as a chore or an interruption to their day. But rather, the godly person would meditate on it day and night. They're intentional about spending time in the word of God. In other words, the godly person would think about the Word of God. Uh, She would reflect upon the Word throughout her day. He would give careful attention to the Word of God, seeking God's guidance as he and she would go about their day. There's purpose in why we get into the Word of God, that we think about it. As we reflect upon the Word of God throughout our day, it will help us from falling into the temptation that will most definitely come our way. And so David would say, instead of falling to this temptation, our feet would be kept firmly planted and rooted on the path to life. And so if verse 1 would, would be the, the promise of happiness, verse 2 would provide the way to experiencing this happiness, and then verse 3 would affirm the end result. Verse 3 says this, that the person who meditates on the word of God is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You see, careful study of the word of God is not just an enjoyable work that we get to be part of. David says, when you study the word of God, it will produce rewarding results as well. What do we see? We see four things in this verse. 
We see the first thing that when we study the Word of God, the result is this, that we are going to be planted like a tree by streams of water. Uh, that means we're going to experience nourishment, the nourishment that we need to flourish. Oh, we need to nourish in order to flourish. Right? You want to flourish? Then nourish your heart. Right? Number two, we're going to be fruitful. Number one, we're going to be planted. Number two, we're going to be fruitful. And we're going to yield fruit when the time is right because the production naturally flows from being planted and growing, from nourishing your life in the Word of God. And then David says, not only will we be planted, not only are we going to be fruitful, but we're not going to wither. By the way, David isn't talking about our bodies. They're going to wither and they're going to droop. That's just the product of getting older. But David is talking here about our soul. He's talking about our endurance that we will have even during difficult times. The tree-like soul, it doesn't give up. Sometimes, and as I look over the congregation, I see many who have gone through difficult times in your life. And I know that other people see the difficulties that you go through. And sometimes I, I, I hear people say, how can that person be so strong in the midst of all the tragedy, in the midst of all the grief, in, a, in the midst of all the setbacks? And it is because that person is deeply rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And they have been nourishing their souls for years in the Word of God. I see this in our congregation. I see that as I look about our congregation and I see people who have lost their home due to fires. I see those who have lost their spouse, who've dealt with long-term health issues, who've had to bury their children, who've had to deal with infertility, who've had to deal with the end of a marriage or the death of another type of relationship. And I see that list as a long list. And yet in the midst of that, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of all the tragedy and the grief, I see people who have held on and are holding on, who would say there are days that are some are better and some are worse. But I'm holding on to my faith and my trust in Jesus. And that is because they have meditated on and they have nourished their heart and their soul in the Word of God. And they have trained themselves to walk His way. Listen, kids, elementary school age kids, teenagers, young adults, you will experience setbacks in your life. You will experience grief. You will experience tragedy in your life. Now is the time to develop that daily discipline of being in God's Word. Because when it happens, you will have developed the spiritual muscles, learning to listen to Jesus as He leads you in the good times and in the bad times in your life. 
If you're an older adult and you have not developed this habit, you need to develop that habit. It's not too late to develop that habit of meditating on the Word of God and putting that discipline into your life. And so we will be planted, we will be fruitful, we will not wither, but we're also going to be prosperous, David says. And prosperous, where he's talking about here, it's not saying about a big bank account, he's not talking about a fancy new car, he's not talking about a, a big house or a, or a cabin by the lake, and those things are great things. But what David is getting at here when he talks about being prosperous has more a sense of bringing a successful conclusion. To, to fulfilling the goals that God has designed for your life. And so David's song encourages us to maintain a pure, uncompromising walk with the Lord, that we would delight ourselves in God's word, that we would be growing and we would be strong, that we would be a spiritual uh, tree that has nourished itself by the streams of water. See, there's no shortcut to spiritual growth. But like physical growth, it occurs on a daily basis, deepening, depending upon the food that we intake and the proper environment. And with the right kind of spiritual diet and the environment that we put ourselves in, we can experience the happiness many times over. As we look at Psalm 1, even a casual reading we can see that this chapter is filled with contrasts between two very different lifestyles, the godly life and the ungodly life. The result of walking the way of God leads to being planted, being fruitful, being unwithered, and being prosperous. But then David says this, not so the wicked. By saying that, he's referring back to what we've already just read and what we looked at. In effect, he's saying this. If I could expand that a little bit, he would say, oh, the righteous, they experience happiness many times over, but not so the wicked. The righteous, oh, they delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night, but not so the wicked. The righteous, they are like a tree planted by streams of water, but not so the wicked. The righteous, they yield their fruit in season, but not so the wicked. The righteous, they do not wither, but not so the wicked. The righteous, they will prosper, but not so the wicked. And instead, David describes the life of the ungodly by saying this, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. What is chaff? It's that outer part of the grain seed, the seed coverings and the other debris that is separated from the seed at the time of threshing. The outer shell and the grasses which, which fall away or which are blown away at harvest time. Chaff is worthless. And it stands in contrast to the tree that is planted by streams of living water. Those who are rooted in evil have drawn their nourishment and their delight from their association with the wicked uh, will dry up and will blow away. When I read that word, I think of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7 when he said this, but everyone who hears these words of mine 
and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and they beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. The house fell with a great crash because it didn't have that solid foundation. And so it will be for the ungodly, for those who do not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. While the rooted and the watered tree would endure and show stability, the unnourished wicked would have no permanence. This morning, I wonder, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you building your life upon His firm foundation? Or are you rather trying to construct a life by your own hands? Because everything that we produce on our own strength, in our own efforts, falls. It falls into the category of chaff, and it's just going to blow away. That's a pretty stark contrast in David's words here. And so David warns us in verse 5, he says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And what these are, these are two parallel statements. Uh, essentially what they're saying is, listen, it, it, uh, if you try to stand on your own efforts in judgment, you will fall. You will not be able to stand in the judgment or be able to gather in the assembly of the righteous. Verse 6, David says, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. It is the Lord who judges. Uh, he alone, not you, not me, not anyone else on this earth, is able to judge fairly and justly. And so it brings to my mind some verses in Romans, beginning at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood, that is Jesus' blood, to be received by faith. And then in Romans chapter 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you, can, you profess your faith. And are saved. And then Romans 10 tells us, 10 verse 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul reminds us again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 God made him who had no sin, that is Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, so that in him, in Christ, we might become. The righteousness of God. God knows the righteous from the unrighteous. 
the godly from the ungodly. And it is only through faith and trust in Jesus Christ that we are able to stand before God and be called righteous. And so this morning, have you declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Have you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead? If you have, then you will be saved. God calls you righteous through Jesus Christ. But if you have not done that, I would encourage you to ponder and to reflect upon these bold contrasts in Psalm chapter 1 and for you to consider God's call to walk His way. Amen.